Welcome, welcome to episode 14 of the Point B Podcast. I got quite a bit of audio I want to play today. Three clips that are a little bit longer just because of the nature of politics in our country. I'm not the type where I want to chop those up. I want to give everybody their um, their chance to be heard in full context. Uh, so the first one I want to play for y'all, and this is central to the entire podcast. Uh, this is uh, Republican House Reps Matt Gates and Jim Jordan talking about the hypocrisy surrounding the impeachment of Donald Trump. If you haven't heard, Donald Trump was impeached again by the House. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, as of right now, has not sent those to the Senate for confirmation. I doubt she will, because uh, the, the goal really was just to get him impeached twice and forbid him from running again in 2024. And so they've achieved that, and now we're left with the uh, the pieces to pick up. So let's get into the audio. This is Matt Gates first, then Jim Jordan. I join the bipartisan caucus condemning the violence that we saw at our Capitol, but the hypocrisy is just downright disorienting. President Trump called for protests that would be peaceful and patriotic. He got labeled a national security threat. Yet the gentlelady from California can call on her supporters to get physical and in the faces of Republicans, and she gets the chairmanship of the Financial Services Committee. Republican members of Congress utilized a process contemplated in the Constitution to offer an objection, and we were labeled seditionists. Democrat members of Congress raised funds for groups attacking our police, burning our cities, destroying our businesses, establishing autonomous zones, and they were celebrated as justice warriors. Wednesday, they called for unity, democracy, and healing. Now, just days later, seeking power and political advantage, the Democrats have reverted to the mean. They've gone back to their natural state, the party of impeachment, removal, and division. Ohio. The gentleman from Ohio is recognized for two minutes. Thank the gentleman for yielding, Mr. Jim Speaker. Jordan. Uh, in his opening remarks, the Democrat chair of the Rules Committee said that Republicans last week voted to overturn the results of an election. Guess who the first objector was on January 6, 2017? First objector the Democrat chair of the Rules Committee. And guess which state he objected to? Alabama. The very first state called, Alabama. President Trump, I think, won Alabama by like 80 points. Actually, he won it by, he won it by 30 points. They can, object, they can object to Alabama in 2017, but tell us we can't object to Pennsylvania in 2021? Pennsylvania, where the state Supreme Court just unilaterally extended the election to Friday? Pennsylvania, where the Secretary of State unilaterally changed the rules, went around the legislature in unconstitutional fashion. Pennsylvania, where county clerks in some counties, and you can imagine which counties they were, let people fix their ballots. I'm going to go ahead and play another piece of audio because I, I want to bring this to my, my general thesis here, which is the hypocrisy. A lot of people are so obsessed with saying that person was right. Therefore, everybody who's ever agreed with that person on anything, whether it's politically or whether or not to put pineapple on their pizza, you have to lump them all together. And the left doesn't hold that same standard to themselves, as you, you heard from Matt Gates and Jim Jordan just now. They and, and to be fair, I can't say the left. I can say big government, right? I mean, I can say progressives. I mean, there are cases all over the place of Republicans doing exactly the same thing. And, and I, can hear, I can hear that happening <laughs> uh, ahead of time. People listening to this, certain people that I know that I'm trying to get to listen to the podcast because 
a lot of this is, is kind of directed at some of them. I can hear in their heads they're saying, well, Republicans are the exact same way. And I get it. I get that argument. It's, but it's, it's outdated. Maybe not outdated. It's overplayed. It's like a, a decent song. It's like, oh, that that's, took some real good talent. Comes on the radio the first time. Wow. The 10th time. Mm, that's pretty good. Still good. 20th time. Man, that's a good song. 100th time. You're like, dude, seriously, you just ruined this song for me. That's how I feel about that argument. It's, well, Trump does this. Well, Hillary does this. Well, Biden does this. And, and they use that argument to justify their shitty actions and their crappy attitude. And, and that's, I say outdated, that's, that's in the past. We're, we're moving on from that into this new generation of politicians taking office, a new generation of voter. And I don't think that the younger generation is going to put up with that for too much longer. It is so in your face now through social media. Of course, we'll get into some of that. Maybe it's not going to be so in your face for much longer. Um, but this next piece of audio plays into the same topic. And this is, uh, it comes from an article from the Daily Beast. This was Glenn Beck from the Blaze, um, Blaze Media, Blaze TV. And he was talking to Tucker Carlson on Fox News about this digital censorship that is coming out. So I'm going to play the audio in full because this article was extremely disingenuous to Glenn and took his words extremely out of context. Uh, So get ready. This is about five minutes. I might try and skip through some of it or I might end it early if it gets the point. Um, but, But bear with me here because Glenn Beck is one of the most attacked figures on the right and he was one of the spearheaders of the Tea Party movement and we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But an overwhelmingly peaceful, grassroots, concerned citizen movement, and he's labeled an extremist. Um, so let, let's let Glenn talk for himself. Glenn Beck has thought a lot about this. Glenn Beck owns his own media company. He's the host of the Glenn Beck Radio Program, founder of The Blaze. He joins us tonight. Glenn, I really appreciate your coming on. As noted, you own a media company. So you're coming on and talking about the tech companies at some risk to yourself. I assume you use Amazon Web Services. Everybody else does. Um, I have. So that's important. And I'm sorry. I promise I'm going to try not to do this too much because it's a long audio clip. But that is very important. What Tucker just said there about everybody's on the Amazon servers. And we saw that come to fruition with Parler. And unilaterally, there were three big tech companies between Facebook uh, Google and Apple parlor was completely wiped off the face of the earth. A nearly $1 billion company that rose up found funding somehow and was able to pose a somewhat threat to Twitter and boom, they're gone. Not only were they deplatformed, uh, Amazon took them off of their servers. So, I mean, you literally cannot use parlor. Now they're fighting back and, and I'll, I want to, play a video in a second about that um they're fighting and they're convinced they're going to get back on but man it's a it's a scary world that we're um we're leading up to there's a lot of birthing pains that are happening right now that i think are leading to something very very bad uh at best voices are being silenced legitimate american free voices are being silenced and that in and of itself can't stand from your perspective, what's the risk here from these companies? 
This is the reason why I built uh, the Blaze in the first place is because I saw this coming. It, it, it Between the political upheaval and, quite honestly, the technological upheaval that is coming that is going to displace so many people, the government and high tech need each other. So yes. this, with the implosion of trust, they have to join hands. Um, and it's extraordinarily dangerous. It's the kind of stuff, quite honestly, that leads to this. These are two uh, wooden shoes, uh, Japanese shoes, worn by an American citizen. Her name was Rio Soto. She lived in, um, in San Francisco. She lost all of her rights, as did all of the Japanese. And they did it because of fear. FDR was afraid the Japanese had infiltrated the West Coast, even though the Pentagon said it wasn't true. He knew better. And so he pushed through his policies, and we made one of the, one of the biggest mistakes of the 20th century by taking our own citizens, and listen to this, confiscating their wealth, making sure they couldn't work, um, shutting them down, and then putting them in camps. Tucker, this is the road we're on again, and it's not right if it's the left or the right that is doing it. It is absolutely un-American. You That's can't right. have freedom of speech if you can't have if you can't express yourself in a meaningful place. It, this is this is like the Germans with the Jews behind the wall. They would put them in the ghetto. Well, this is the digital ghetto. You, you can talk all you want. Jews, you do whatever you want behind the wall. Well, that's not meaningful. And that's where we are. That's where millions of Americans will be. And again, it's not to compare it to the Germans. It is not to uh, do anything but warn. If you don't stand up for free speech, you will be the one that loses it as well. After 9-11, I stood up proudly against many in my audience for Bill Maher when he said, well, at least their pilots aren't cowards. Um, I thought that was a horrific thing to say. But when ABC fired him, I couldn't, I couldn't understand what part of politically incorrect didn't you understand, right, ABC? Right. We cannot. We have to. The only speech worth defending is the speech you despise. That's a good good spot to leave it at. Um, a lot was said there. So he used the term digital ghetto. And the article quickly ripped into Glenn, again, from the Daily Beast. Uh, what is his name? Justin Barragona. Sorry, Justin. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, but they quickly ripped into Glenn Beck because, oh, he's comparing the plight of the conservatives in 2021 America to millions of Jews being uh, imprisoned and ultimately slaughtered. Obviously, we are not there. But imagine if there had been these voices, and there were these voices, they were simply ignored and silenced back uh, in the 40s. But imagine if those voices had been heeded before Nazi Germany came to real power, before Hitler felt emboldened enough to imprison an entire race of people and ultimately try to exterminate them. Glenn Beck uses a term there, digital ghetto, and it says a lot. That is a very loaded term, but digital ghetto implying that you're, we're probably not going to get to the point anytime soon where people, conservatives or liberals or progressives or whatever, are imprisoned or stripped of their belongings. 
they're simply going to be digitally silenced and segregated away from popular society. And like Glenn said, you can say whatever you want behind the wall. But if it's not being heard, if you don't have a chance of being heard, if you don't even have a chance to to work in many circumstances where you're seeing over uh, COVID-19 people being fired, people having to close their businesses, losing their businesses and their jobs because of unilateral decisions made by politicians who don't even heed their own policies. But that term digital ghetto, it comes from a, a book called IBM and um, IBM and the Holocaust, I believe. I'm sorry, I didn't make that note of what it was called. Um, but the author's name is Edwin Black. Uh, IBM and the Holocaust. I did make that note. Good job. Um, But it is discussing, and not from the standpoint of incriminating or casting judgment, um, but it discusses IBM's role, the technology company's role in creating the technology and the logistics necessary um, to not only locate, but to track and then ultimately imprison the dissenters of Nazi Germany and, of course, the Jews. The barcode and the number system put on to the Jews, as you've seen tattoos of, I mean, that was, from what I read, designed. Um, it, is, it is an IBM number used for basically tracking inventory. And so the book is simply explaining how there are these warning signs, there's these exits. If you imagine a highway or a freeway, there are these exits we can take right now if we just heed these warnings that, listen, you don't need to change your business model, Facebook, Twitter. You don't need to stop existing. All you need to do is let us speak. Let us be heard, more importantly. I mean, I can post a hundred times on Facebook, but if I ultimately get zero impressions or far less impressions than I would have if I had not been throttled, um, the Blaze Media is a perfect example. They were like the number three publisher of original content on Facebook. And they had stagnant um, visibility, stagnant. Um, I forget the word. I just used it. Um, and that doesn't make sense. There should It should be growing as you're feeding more and more free content into these social media sites. And so... I'm not here to defend Glenn Beck. I'm here to defend his point. His point is that we are on that road and there's these exit signs and we've been passing them up. We've been flying by them at 80 miles an hour and we're not heeding these warnings of, listen, we are on this path to potentially, maybe it's not Trumpers, maybe it's not conservatives. Let's say, really my fear, I, I said this in a post the other day, my fear is not Joe Biden. My fear is the candidate that a very desperate GOP is going to put forward to combat a second Joe Biden term and to combat how many people right now are wanting to leave and form a third party with Donald Trump. And so they're going to put forward a really strong man. Donald Trump was a strong man, but he listened to his voters. The next strong man will ultimately seize power. I mean, down the road. Um, So with that in mind, It's not that I'm trying to protect conservatives or Trumpers from being put into a gulag. What I'm saying is that this power ultimately can be used in either direction depending on who is in power. Who owns these big tech companies? Right now, progressives and liberals, you have to be counting your lucky stars that right now all the big tech companies, Silicon Valley, is owned by leftists. 
imagine when that flips. Imagine when the next big technology boom or technology company comes out. We've already seen Elon Musk saying that these tech companies are going to regret picking on conservatives so much. So what happens when that big force of nature comes back and fights the progressive mentality at their own game? Well, then they're going to be able to seize on every bit of power, every bit of freedom to um, stifle dissent, stifle voices that disagree, that dare disagree with the national narrative. So that power can ultimately be used in both directions, is my point. Um, and a little side note, it's amazing. The left is like, oh, Glenn Becker's conspiracy theorist talking about Nazi Germany again. It's like, when did using any reference to Nazi Germany become taboo again? Um, January 20th hasn't happened yet. Donald Trump is still in office. Therefore, I mean, people love to compare Donald Trump to freaking Hitler. And we've seen it all over MSNBC, CNN, even many of the Republican uh, candidates in the primaries were using that. Glenn Beck himself is using that, of course, since he's changed his mind. Uh, anyways, that was just a, a, a funny um, side note. I'm getting off track here. I've got some notes that I want to read. And again, like I said last episode, I'm, I'm going to read this verbatim because I want to be very careful with my words. Um, it is certainly possible to dislike Donald Trump, the president, while also appreciating some of the things he did as president, while also being happy he is done and leaving D.C., while also recognizing his impact on the Republican Party and conservatism in general, just like with Obama. So, like I, I said at the beginning, if you've ever agreed with somebody who says something controversial, the media loves to just lump everybody together who's ever agreed on anything together. And so what I'm trying to say is that I, you know, I didn't vote for Trump in 2016. I didn't like his politics. I didn't like his policies and I didn't like which policies he gave attention to and which ones he omitted. Um, so I didn't vote for him. I voted third party, but he did things that I agreed with, whether you do or not, I did. And so I voted for him again in 2020. But just because you vote for a candidate doesn't mean you're saying everything he does is acceptable. I don't like his rhetoric. I don't like his divisiveness. I don't like that he played the left using their own game and their own tactics of bullying and shouting people down. I didn't like it because he was no better than they are. But it worked, at least for 3.75 years. Unfortunately for many on the left, they are incapable of removing their hatred for Trump from even the most minute part of their daily lives. Everything they say, think, and do is rooted in hate for Donald Trump. That's the difference. Intellectual curiosity is the difference right now between the right and the left. And that has not always been the case. Arguably, the left has been the, the party of well, ask, of asking questions, well, what if, well, why not this? Why are we doing it this way? Why can't we do it this way? They've been the party of no censorship. They've been the party of more voices. And somehow, somewhere, I would say circa 2008 to 2016, they switched and it was, no, you can't disagree or you're a racist. You can't disagree or you're a classist or a sexist. And that's a problem. I said it last episode, episode 13, Trump is not the cause for what we're seeing in our country right now. He's a symptom. 
you get someone like Trump when you run an extremist like Hillary Clinton, a criminal like Hillary Clinton. I've talked to people who did who voted for Hillary over Trump. And at least one of them, and I can remember the exact place we were at, said she probably should be in prison, colluding with Russia, having classified information on a private server that was hacked by our enemies. You get someone like Trump when you run an extremist like that on the Democratic ticket. Had the Democrats run somebody like Tulsi Gabbard, who I absolutely love, a moderate Republican would have won because you didn't have to offset that extremism on one side with an extremist on the other side. You can, we can breathe, we can come back to the middle and it's, you know, we're back to the, to the good old days of just normal Americans running for office. It's sad but true. I didn't vote for Trump because of principle. Unfortunately, many voters do not vote in principle. They vote on who they think can win. And in the case of Hillary Clinton with such almost brand recognition with Hillary Clinton, just the name recognition, people would go down the ticket and say, well, who's Marco Rubio? Who's Rand Paul? Oh, Hillary Clinton. I know who she is. And I've seen her all over these uh, liberal podcasts and these TV shows that I watch. And she doesn't seem evil. I'm going to vote for her. It, it's, it happens. It's sad. Trump exposed the hypocrisy of the left by using their tactics, their bullying skills, and their complete indifference to voices opposed to theirs. He did it masterfully because he comes from the left. They loved him on the left until he decided to become a Republican. He was a star who dared not toe the line of the Hollywood and progressive elites, the money behind the Democrat Party. And for that, they sentenced him and his followers to a digital ghetto. We can shout as loud as we want, but if the ones and zeros aren't in our favor, who can hear us? And so, as I mentioned before, the House did impeach Trump again. And guess what? There's a whole lot of Republicans who are established Republicans, party favorites, who've been in office for years, just like Joe Biden's been in office for years. They're just as happy as Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are. The people who are desperate to cling to power, they're ecstatic about this. So when you're voting to impeach an outsider like Donald Trump, you're not voting on some social agenda. All you're voting is for power to be remain isolated and safely guarded in the hands of D.C. career politicians. So with all the division in our country, with all this divisive speech, with all the the anger and sadness and the, the grief that's going around. One, why would you further escalate things by impeaching the voice, whether you like it or not, the voice of this anti-government movement with seven days left in his office, in his term. But then further, social media injecting their policies into freedom of speech. Facebook removing Stop the Steal the hashtag that many people were following and using in their posts talking about the election, whether you agree that the election should be overturned or even disputed or not, half the country disagrees with you. So you, you, It's illogical to simply try to silence those voices. But Facebook did nothing about all the revolution talk over the summer. There's talk nowadays in popular media about cleansing, that there needs to be a cleansing of our capital, 
getting the voices that backed Trump in the uh, Stop the Steal movement out of office. Why is there no pop culture backlash against statements like that? It's amazing. And this leads me to my ultimate point. The left, the radical left, not Democrats in general. I've made that point over and over again. If this is your first episode listening, you can listen to the first 13, and I probably every single one of them, I try to make some distinction between the left and then the average Democrat voter. The, the radical left, which has now power to control the Democrat leadership, because this is now their voter block. The far left, along with big tech, Facebook, Twitter, they have perfected the art of disappearing dissenters. Now they can digitally delete you, delete your voice. You can still speak, I can still speak into my microphone, but if nobody can hear it, what's the point, right? I talked, I don't remember which episode it was, but about that movie that came out, Fahrenheit 451, which is, of course, a modern retake on the original book. Um, and in that, they, they're going through book burning, but they also give relevance to the fact that nowadays people are reading books on their iPads. I mean, I'm, my notes right now are on my iPad. It's all digital. I should probably print this crap out, or at least back it up on, a, on my own hard drive, but how many books do you own anymore? Who has a bookshelf full of books? They're all on Kindles. They're all on Nooks. So there's there's going to be, and there is currently, an effort to make everything digital. And if you're a book lover, I suggest buying your books, especially ones that are... Uh, uh, man, I'm completely blanking today. I'm so sorry. I keep wanting to say confidential. It's not anyway. Books that are not politically correct, buy them physically, paperback, hardback, whatever. Kindle's great. Kindle's convenient, but the with digital comes control. All of the all that information, it's all ones and zeros hosted on a server somewhere. And as we've seen from Amazon, if they don't like what you're saying, they can simply kick you off of your your off of their server. Wow. I'm going to take a drink of my Black Raffle Coffee. Uh, we'll come back to this, but real quick, I'm going to talk to you about Black Raffle Coffee. Um, freshest cup of coffee you're going to get, um, whether you buy it whole bean or ground, they do not roast the bean until you place your order. That's the beauty of it. You get it in the mail in like a week, and you can set up the 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 thing that I love is I'm all, I'm all over these new subscription things. My Amazon cart is full of items that are just on subscription now, whether it's toothpaste, deodorant, Listerine, trash bags, I don't know, what everything. Um, and so with a subscription, you never have to worry about buying coffee again. You never have to wake up in the morning and be like, ah, oh, crap, I don't have any coffee. Your whole entire day is ruined. If it's a Monday, your entire week's ruined. Excuse me. And so not only is it a great product, but they do great things. With their money, they not only hire veterans, I think they're over 50% um, veterans in their employ, um, but they also support law enforcement, first responder, and veterans organizations, um, specifically one out here in Texas, in the Texas Hill Country, called Warrior's Heart. They work very closely with them. There's even a roast on BlackRifleCoffee.com that is a specific roast for Warrior's Heart that you can purchase that the funds go to help 
that organization, which provides like a, a retreat center for veterans um, combating like PTSD and, and some of the negative ramifications of war. Um, and it's, it's a great, it's an amazing thing. And so that's, that's what comes with it with a company like Black Rifle Coffee. Sure, you can go and buy what Folgers or whatever the hell you're going to find on the shelf at the grocery store. But where does that money and profit go? You probably don't know, and it probably doesn't go anywhere except in the pockets of a company, which is fine. Make your profits. But Black Rifle Coffee has set aside um, room in their margins to give back to their their community, which is the veteran, law enforcement, first responder, the uniform community. And it's a great thing. So you can show your appreciation for our country and those who fought for our flag at www.blackriflecoffee.com. I don't have a discount code for you, um, but hey, if you know anybody who works over there or might have some pull, maybe uh, email them a link to my podcast or something. Maybe we can get a discount code for you. Uh, Once I get a few more episodes in, I will start reaching out to different groups like that, trying to get the discount codes for y'all. So until then, I would say listen to some other podcasts like uh, Drinking Bros or um, American Party Podcast or Free Range American Podcast. They might have some discount codes that you can use. Back to our topic here. We're at this point now where we're seeing uh, the fight against conservative voices from every direction, from media, from social media, um, from just people's jobs to large companies silencing voices. And I get the, the it's a private company, whatever. I understand that argument. The problem being is that if you're, if you're, I think Ted Cruz asked a, a perfect question when there is a, a Senate uh, hearing with Jack Dorsey, from Twitter and Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook and Ted Cruz asked Jack Dorsey, do you believe that you have the power to sway the national opinion in an election? And he said, no. And then Ted Cruz said, well, well then why are you silencing voices that you believe could sway the, the direction of the election based on whether Jack Dorsey thinks it's fake news or not? And both can't be true. You can't have zero power and then claim that you have all the power, therefore you have to silence voices. It doesn't work both directions. The difference this time, we've seen some of these things happen before, especially back in the Obama era. A lot of people felt really emboldened. Um, But you did have a little bit of a kickback from groups like the Tea Party. We'll get into that in a second. Um But right now, the conservative groups, conservative media, conservative content creators, they've had enough of being silenced, and they're they're not going to stand for it. We're going to talk about secession in a second. But I want you to listen to this audio coming up. This one's a, a pretty short clip. This is Dan Bongino, who's a former Secret Service agent. He's now got host of the Dan Bongino Show. And he was talking on the Glenn Beck radio program, I think this was the 13th, um, about this idea of a digital ghetto. Um, and what Dan Bongino is one of the major um, investors in Parler. And here are some of his thoughts on why a platform like Parler should exist. So, Dan, I agree with you 100%. You know that's why I built the Blaze. But you also know because of your dealings with your own company and Parler. Uh, to get the right to actually open their pocketbook the way the left does 
is damn near impossible. Uh, and to get the people, I mean, now in this time, to get people to stand up with courage and say, yeah, damn right I'm building that is also damn near impossible. But here's the worst part. The money, the billions and billions, possibly trillions of dollars to build this infrastructure is, I mean, it's almost unreasonable to expect anyone can do that. Uh, it is, Glenn. But I, listen, I'm not here to, to, to blow wind up your wazoo here that any of this is going to be easy. It's not. But, you know, I think back to, you know, when I was an agent at the Secret Service Agent, I was an instructor at the academy. Someone knew, you know, Roger Ailes, who had, you know, has since departed. But Ailes gave a gave a speech about the starting of Fox News. And someone asked a question and said, you know, what made you think to start a news network that would appeal to, you know, conservatives? And he had an interesting quote. He said, well, it wasn't really some act of genius. He said, it, we had a business model that appealed to 50% of America. Uh, you know, th- that's what I'm suggesting here, that to the people listening with the money and the finances and the clout, the, the Elon Musks of the world and other who seem to be mildly interested at, 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 you know, at a minimum in liberty and freedom. Yeah. There's a market out there. It's called 50% of America. You're talking about over 150 million potential customers for a, you know, a free speech bank, a free speech PayPal, a free speech everything. That's what Parler was. And Parler's not done, Glenn. I'm telling you, we're going to win oh, this I know. fight. There is no way. I know. Once we win, this is going to be a seminal moment when we hit these companies hard because we're not done. We, I said on, uh, on, on Fox the other day, and I'll say it to you again, I will go bankrupt. I will go absolutely destitute before I let this go. I don't care. I have had some very scary moments in my life, and they put you know, horse blinders on me. I know what matters now. And it's not money and it's not houses and it's none of that crap. It's this. It's the ability to exist in a free country where you can express your ideas freely and not worry about being uh, you know, thrown out of your job and, and candidly put in jail like they were trying to investigate the IRS with the, the conservative mm-hmm. groups. I mean, this is not a new story. None of this is new. So last night. I, I want to I know. I really want to hear for all two and a half people listening to this show, I want to know what is so controversial about that. Now, many people, I had somebody in my own family tell me, be careful about getting a parlor because there's all these groups calling for violence, communicating on parlor. First of all, I've been on parlor for months now and I have not seen a, a, even a tiny bit of call for violence. I have seen some craziness. I mean, I've seen people making outrageous conspiracy claims, but the, if you ever gone down the rabbit hole on YouTube, good Lord, you ever just did George Bush cause 9-11 and just follow that rabbit hole. All that crap gets to stay on no problem. But parlor is dangerous because we dare have opinions that differ from Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg. Ooh, I almost said some words. Um, I don't understand. I, I don't understand the fear of a platform like parlor except for what I'm about to tell you. Why would big tech and big media be on the side of essentially dividing the country? This is the argument in many people's heads. Why would they do that? Why would they, if this is such a large group of people that they're silencing, why, why would they do that? That's half their customer base, right? Yes, technically, but what big company ever succeeded by playing the short game? They don't care about you as a customer today. They care about you as a customer 5, 10, 15, 20, 50 years from now. That's 
their existence. Doesn't everybody lose at that point when half the country is silenced? In fact, no. The big companies, the Googles, the Apples, Facebook, Twitter, they're banking on the new system of government that everybody is saying is coming. This, some called it a new world order. That sounds very conspiracy. I know. I'm sorry. The Great Reset. I mean, if you want to try and call that a conspiracy, just look up Trudeau from Canada. Just look up all of freaking Europe. Listen to Joe Biden. Build back better. All of that leads back to the Great Reset. And I talked about that in a previous previous episode. It's not a difficult concept to grasp. But essentially, America needs to stop being a world power and we need to level the playing field. That is what Twitter, Facebook, Google, Apple, that's what they're all banking on, is that there's going to be a new America, a new way of life in America, where you must toe the line with the federal government, or you get silenced. They simply pull the plug. They're banking on a world where Facebook, Twitter, Google, Apple, woke media companies like CNN, MSNBC, New York Times, they hold the power. And it's not the power of being the best in journalism or the best platform out there. Facebook rose to power because they had an insanely good platform and they were consistently making updates, listening to the feedback coming from their customer base. Google provided a service in a search engine that actually worked and it was free. You didn't have to pay for it. It was free and they got to map human thought. You get to type in, how do I, and you've got 13 suggestions and Odds are, based off of your Google search history, one of those 13 suggestions is what you were about to type. All for free. That's the power of being the best. But the future, what they're banking on, is not the power of being the best. It's the power of holding a, air quotes, trump card of being federally approved. Just think about this. How many holistic and herbal and natural drug remedies are out there that I mean, you're thinking, like, how do these people ever even exist? I mean, they're just sitting on a shelf that's got dust and, like, 13 clearance tags on them. Well, that's because they're not FDA approved. The only ones that can gain any real traction in the in the health marketplace is you've got to get into the big retail outlets. And if you're a retail outlet, uh, CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, whatever, you don't want to sell some off-the-wall medical solution that's going to get you sued. They want to sell the ones that are FDA approved because then the government backs it. Who's going to sue the government? In other words, if the government says it's okay to take, sell, or buy those drugs, it must be okay. That is what is coming. And that is what Facebook and Twitter and Google and Apple and CNN, MSNBC, and all those woke journalistic, air quotes, journalists, that's what they're banking on. So no, it doesn't make sense for them to appeal to the country in mass. It makes sense for them to appeal to the language that the government improves. And that is the scary part. I mean, that is happening right now. I mean, that is a major step towards the silencing and the censorship of an entire ideology and a way of life and a system of government, system of economics, system of social relations. You can literally silence a generation as long as you get the government approval to do it. And Joe Biden is not somebody I would count on with being stingy in his um, his approval for silencing dissent. So with that, that was a lot. 
Um, and I'm not done. So bear with me, but breathers are good. <laughs> Sometimes we need the little breathers. Um, the other day I was, I was listening to the, to a podcast and I'm getting all worked up, whatever. And, uh, I had paused my, uh, AirPods and then I double clicked my ear to get the, get to get it to turn back on. And all of a sudden iTunes music pops up and it's playing like the cars or something. I was like, all right, I actually needed this. It was pretty good. Saved my Tuesday morning. Um, secession. It's, it's used to be sexy. Now it's just every single time the, the, a Democrat gets into the office, Republicans start talking about secession, especially Texas. Cause well, Texas can essentially become its own country, be in five States, blah, blah, blah. It's no longer just talk though. Secession is happening and it's being, again, it's digital. It is social platforms. It's banking. It's credit lines. We've seen how conservatives have been, maybe not just conservatives, not even political, but um, gun rights groups, gun manufacturers. We've seen them get kicked off of credit lines and banking systems. Donald Trump, his official you know, Trump MAGA merchandise was taken off of Shopify. I mean, imagine if that is you. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of voices. I've, I've heard of at least one just on the radio, a caller saying that they, they sold hats and stuff like that with flags on them and they sh- sold some MAGA stuff. They were deplatformed. I think Shopify as well. So at this point, what more is there to do to actually secede? Everybody's saying civil war. I don't think civil war is going to be fought with guns like it was before. Now we have media. Now we have voices to stifle. I never thought in a million years that I would see the free speech crowd actually make an alternative platform in parlor to combat Twitter. And I never thought in a million years that the left would be the ones to almost immediately ban it. Anywhere Trump goes, banned. And this is the scary part. The only thing to be gained by pushing dangerous free speech further and further into the black market is it's going to be almost impossible to track. What's going to happen is what you see in the Middle East. The the people, the, the real ones who are radical, the ones who are really angry, the ones who are tired of getting pushed around and they're about to push back, they're going to stop communicating in forms that can be tracked and traced and seen. And the sad reality is that um, if we're all in our own little camps, our own little tribes, predicting, tracking threats, it's going to become almost impossible. What's going to happen is the government will have to infiltrate every single detail of our lives. And algorithms are going to rule the day just like they do on Google and Facebook. We're going to be at the mercy of an algorithm. And that sounds very conspiratorial. I'm sorry. But it's it's what I'm seeing. It's It's what is happening right now. And if you're on the left, maybe you haven't seen it. Maybe you haven't experienced it really. But I don't know. We'll see what happens. I do know this. Cooler heads must prevail.
There's a lot of talk right now about uh, protests centered around Wednesday, January 20th, uh, Inauguration Day, the inauguration of Joe Biden. Um, I'd be very careful about what groups you follow to what protests. Right now they're talking about the largest armed protest ever, and they're calling on a march on every state capitol. At, that is a powder keg waiting to be ignited. At this point in our in our current political situation, um, protest has to be peaceful because as soon as you give an excuse for the big tech companies to silence, as we've already discussed, they will. And that's exactly what was accomplished on January 6th when the Capitol was invaded. They gave an excuse to silence anybody who puts Trump or MAGA on their social platforms. If The problem that we've seen in history is that many on the right haven't used their voices. We've talked about that before. They can't silence all of us, but if only if a handful of us are actually using our voices in any meaningful way, well then they can. They can silence us. And what we've seen from the left is they're great at utilizing podcasts and blogs and social media and Snapchat and TikTok and whatever they want to use. They're great at using it and using it effectively and efficiently to get a message across. We have to be equally as effective. This is only the start of what Democrats have planned. What's next on the agenda? Net neutrality race relations in the form of the 1619 Project, you're going to start seeing words like public health crisis. Liberate. We're going to see further big tech censorship. We're going to see silencing of dissent. Now it's going to calm down after January 20th because they want to make sure that you understand Trump's gone, Joe Biden's in, life can return to normal. But mark my words, give it a few months. They're not going to waste any time. For those saying that we can't rely on politicians to make change, that's the crowd that all hope is lost. Now we have to take it into our hands. We're fighting a culture war where we have to engage in the culture. We have to remind this country that good comes from having conservative ideas to counterbalance liberal ideas and progressive ideas. Balance is good. That's what our country was built on. But we also have to, face, have to focus on policy and de-escalation of federal overreach and infringement on individual liberties. We have to focus on policy, and in order to do that, we have to focus on politicians and who we send to office. Because somebody's going to office. We need to be focusing on who it is we are going to send, if not ourselves. I've been saying it for a while now. Forget the federal government. I think it's lost. Our fight has to be local. Our fight has to be an exchange of ideas. We have to win the school boards. We have to win the municipal positions. We have to win the sheriff's positions. We have to start speaking up at our city council meetings. Win back our towns, and then we can grow the movement from there. Grassroots. And the best way to win a movement? It's not by slapping a Christian fish on the back of your car and then cutting everyone off in traffic, throwing the middle finger whenever somebody honks at you. You got to live it. You got to be real. This generation is done with all the fake on both sides. We're done with the, oh, I agree with this 
progressive position, but I'm not going to do crap about it for eight years. They're done with that. We're going to be held to much higher standards than the left is. We've already seen that with the January 6th, all of a sudden, oh, radicals. Yet all summer, buildings and police cars and police precincts, local businesses, all on fire, and they coined the term infamous, mostly peaceful. We have to be credible, we have to be consistent, and we have to be open-minded, because the day will come when the left does, they do get sick of the fight, and they do want to compromise. Maybe not the left, but the average Democrat voter will say, wow, the left is pulling us too far this direction, let's take it back to the middle, and then it'll be up to us to be like, thank you, let's talk, let's sit at the table and negotiate for freedom's sake, freedom for all. But even Barack Obama said in his book that the Tea Party movement really messed up his agenda and was largely one of the reasons why he couldn't get more done. And the Tea Party, if you remember, didn't affect change by rioting or shouting or fighting on social media. They made their voices heard by gathering peacefully and in D.C. and around the country, but there's very specific rallies in D.C. that were just massive, tens of thousands of people. And then guess what? This is fact. When it was time to leave, they cleaned up the place and left it cleaner than they found it. That is how you start a movement. That's how you engage in a movement. And that is how you make your ideas presentable to the world. You can't give them a reason to silence you because they're in control and they will. And for the sake of just free speech in general, more voices are always better. But that doesn't seem to be the philosophy of the big tech companies right now. So we'll see what happens. I want to leave you with a positive note. Um, I do think that this is a fight that can be won. But it's going to take all of us. It's going to take every sane, rational voice. Whether you consider yourself a Democrat, Republican, liberal, or conservative. If you believe in the middle of the country. If you believe that people just want to go to work and live their lives. And not have to worry about the government coming in. And rounding them up, as we saw in World War II. If you believe in the American way of life, of you go to school, get a good education, get decent grades, have some freaking common sense, get a job, start a career, have a family, and just live your life. Those days are somewhat in the past for anybody who really has a stake in this movement. It's time to speak up, and it's time to start using your your time and your resources and your freedom of speech before you lose it. And in that, I find encouragement because I'm seeing so many more conservative voices coming out of this as saying, like you heard Dan Bongino, I'm done. I'm done playing the game just to get by, just to exist, to have the privilege of existing in this country. I'm done. It's time to start taking our voices back. And in so doing, as you're going through that process, it's important to be good to each other, to treat your fellow American as a fellow American, regardless of their political leanings, regardless of who they voted for. You've heard the biblical principle, somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other cheek. And it's not easy. I fail at every single I fail at it every single day. But we have to remember to be good to those who spit in our face, whether it's physically, I've seen 
plenty of video of conservatives being spit on by Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters slash rioters. Not even conservatives, just white people in general sitting at a restaurant, and then there's a demonstration walking by, and the level of harassment that nobody in the media called out. It's sickening. Anyways, those are the people that you have to be good to. And it's not, it's not instinctive. It's not easy, but it's important to, to root a movement in love. And in that back to, you know, slapping a a Christian fish in your car and then being the worst driver on the street, you got to live it. And if not take the fish off of your car and stop, giving them an excuse to label everybody with a Christian fish on the car as you. If you're not going to live the values of the movement, then stop calling yourself a member of it. Go live your your life. That's fine. Do whatever you want to do. But if you're going to be part of a movement that wants limited government, that wants sanity and freedom of speech restored, and some level of just public discourse where we can just talk to each other, well, even when you're behind a keyboard and you're faceless on social media, that especially then, that's when you have to be a good representative of the values that you claim to believe in. There's a lot of ways to do it. Everybody has their own ways. But just anything you can do to let those around you, even digitally, know that there's love in the room. And where there's love, there is love with a capital L. And hate with a capital H cannot stand to be around love with a capital L. Much like the light and darkness. So with that said, I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, If you want to sponsor or otherwise bless this show, um, we're just getting started. I'm not slowing down. Uh, I don't care if I never have a consistent listener ever. I want it to be on record exactly how I believe and exactly what I think can affect positive change in our country. Um, if that, if you reflect with that sentiment, if you believe in having more voices, if you believe that my voice injects a little bit of sanity or can inject a little bit of sanity into the, uh, new cycle, then I would encourage you to just reach out, um, Info at crossandmusket.com. So it's info at cross, like you wear around your neck, and spelled out A-N-D, musket, like a uh, an old freedom stick. Info at crossandmusket.com. And, and we'll let you know how you can help us out. Uh, I've been working on an Amazon wish list. There's different things that could improve the quality of the podcast uh, monetarily. Just me being able to take more time away from work. Right now, I'm taking zero time away from work. Usually I'm recording during my lunch hour, um, which is actually why I got to go in about four minutes. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of ways I can think of that you can help us grow. Um, so just reach out, info at crossandmusket.com. I'll let you know what what we can do right away before I start just um, blasting that out in the podcast. Uh, but we're not slowing down. We're only getting started. And I believe that there's a movement that we are not the starters of. It's a movement that has been that this country has been craving for a long time. And, and Donald Trump was a step kind of in that direction. Um, and then I think we took two steps back just in these first two weeks of 2021. But we'll continue the fight. We'll continue being peaceful, continue being full of love and open-mindedness. And for the sake of freedom of speech, I, I want to go back and forth on these ideas with people. Um those discussions need to happen. This exchange of ideas needs to happen. And silencing more voices is not going to happen. 
So put your voice out there. Like I've said before, if you want to start a podcast, start a blog, use your social media network to inject your ideas into the discussion. And uh, if you if you want to start a podcast, you're not exactly sure what equipment you'll need. I can get you started for probably, I don't know, 300 bucks max. A lot of this, the software and everything that you need is free or at least has free versions. So uh, I can get you going. I can even edit for you. Um, that is another way that blessing the show monetarily would help where I could use a little bit more time on the podcast and helping others with their podcasts. So we'll see. Um, anyways, if you want to be part of that movement, uh, centered in love and freedom, join us on the podcast. We're giving you your Friday debrief every Friday, once a week. And if I, if if I can get the time, I'll put a, uh, Wednesday midweek update and we're actually going to start having a Monday monologue coming. I'll be working on that for this coming Monday, coming out of the weekend. Some of my thoughts and opinions put into speech form and, uh, there'll be shorter episodes and it'll get right to the point none of the the audio and video stuff so um anyways we'll see you next time this was episode 14 that's right 14 uh, that means 14 weeks we've been doing this of the uh, point b podcast i'm your host bobby i'll see you next week